1: handshake nothing personal word of the day it's Friday finally April 29th 2022 and the word of the day is handshake I was trying to think about last night during the NFL draft as the players get called up and they go see Roger Goodell who's right on the edge in my opinion of being involved cool and creepy I think he's right in the middle of all of those things so the players who are drafted come on stage and they're doing these handshakes these extensive handshakes, lest you forget that the players who do handshakes with each other, like Steph Curry's got a bunch of different handshakes, and baseball players can have 20 different handshakes with 20 different teammates, that takes practice. You don't just wake up one morning and say, all right, I've got this handshake with this guy, this handshake with this guy, and then boom, it just happens. You need reps. I was trying to think who the fluffer was for Roger Goodell, Someone coming in and doing the practicing of the handshakes. All right, if we got this guy drafted in the four hole, just remember, come up. It's one one to the left, one to the right, two snaps, a knuckles, a fist bump, a clap, and then a bro hug. No, no, if it's that other guy, then you're going to do crisscross applesauce, back, forth, up, down, right, left, and snap, snap, in with a full hug. Handshakes. Roger Goodell did it. Roger Goodell has done it. If I sound bitter on a Friday morning in minute one of the show. It's that watching the draft last night, it just, it hurts, that's all. It hurts that more people watch the draft than watch the World Series. It hurts that more people are interested in the draft than in anything baseball does. It hurts that football just, they've got it. The it, in quotes, I capital T. They're hip, they're cool, they're hot, they're fun they're rich their teams are worth more than baseball teams they just congratulations Roger what are some takeaways from yesterday one takeaway was my good friend I can't wait for the schedule to come out there's another day that I'm going to be despondent when we release we they dollar bet Coco that's a fine for those of you new to the show old habits die hard I keep saying we as it relates to Major League Baseball but it's they because I'm not in baseball anymore So every time I say we, Coca keeps track, and we put a dollar into the jar, and then we donate that to charity. I haven't counted what's in the jar because I say we a little too often, but it's a dollar. But they add up. Believe me, dollars add up. So in about a week or so next week, lest the NBA be in the middle of their playoffs and MLB be in the middle of their season They want any attention. MLB does their schedule release, which is another thing that causes the world to stop spinning on its axis. Axis, not access Hollywood. (laughs) Axis-sees. So the Green Bay Packers are going to London, and that is a big deal. I want to go to that game, Coca. They're playing it where you were. Didn't you go to a game in Tottenham during your, uh, your winter trip to Europe? I could have sworn that was the game you went to. But anyway, that is where the Packers are going to play, and we're going to find out who they're playing. They could be playing the Giants and the Jets, by the way, or the Jets, not both, one of the two. Those two teams improved themselves yesterday. I love when fans of bad teams get super excited during the draft. It's like they live for it because – It's what you do when you're starving, and then someone puts spam in front of you. Go watch Survivor. The food they serve on Survivor, it's not all that great. But when you're starving, it tastes like it has three Michelin stars. So the Giants had two picks in the top 10. The Jets had a bunch of picks. They got a cornerback, a defensive end, a wide receiver. The Giants got the, what was it, Thibodeau. Every time I say that, I'm thinking of the Knicks coach, so I probably have the name wrong. An offensive tackle, a defensive end, and the fans in New York. It's all over the news in New York. It's, it's leading off every radio show. A, you have to grade all the teams. That's very important after a draft. We all like grading. Winners and losers. We all like binary outcomes. How'd you do yesterday? I won. Really? I thought you lost. Hmm. Wait to see. All the people who get paid all the money by all the networks to do all the mock drafts, do they follow up after doing the mock drafts and say, ooh, I didn't get that one right, I got that one right? And then do they follow up next year, the year after, the year after? Do they ever go back and look and say, ooh, we thought that would have been a good pick, but man, that guy sucked. Or wow, they overlooked that guy and he's an all pro. I wonder where the accountability is cuz there's so much noise on the networks giving you that's why you're not going to get it from me and not nothing personal. I'm not giving you picks for the draft and who should go where. There's plenty of content out there where you can find it. Did the Jets and Giants have the best drafts of any teams? Guess what? I don't care. I want the Giants to win games. I think in this league to win games, you need a good defense, a great quarterback, and great wide receivers, and a moderately okay running back slash tight end. The Giants have their quarterback, Daniel Jones. He is leading them to the promised land, the Manning replacement. He's so good. He's won so much at the NFL level that the Giants announced, hey, Danny boy, we just wanna make sure that all the fans in New York know, so we're announcing it publicly. We are not picking up your fifth year option. When you are a rookie drafted in the first round, you get a four-year slotted deal, but your team has an option to sign you to a fifth-year deal, or they can extend you. The Giants said, nah, go ahead, Danny, just play. Just play. We're not going to pick up your option. Have a good year. But what the Giants are really saying is the fifth-year option would have been around $23 million for next year. $23 million sounds like a lot, except quarterbacks are getting 40s and 50s now. So what they're saying is that Daniel Jones is below the 50% level when it comes to quarterbacks. A lot of confidence they have in him. I wonder how that is to go into a season when you know your quarterback is mediocre. Wow, I guess there are a bunch of teams that do that. But the Giants got someone to protect him, so I guess they could be okay. The other thing that goes on during the draft for me, and, and baseball does this too, every sport, every company, we all do it, don't we? How many of us are pure original thinkers? Willing to dance to the beat of our own drummer? Willing to go to high school with purple hair and earrings up and down your ears and in your belly? Ripped jeans when you know that's not the code? Are you willing to do those things or do you wait for someone else to do something and then you say, oh, that's where the line is? I can do that. Oh, you like Elvis Costello? I'll listen to him is it cool to like elvis costello then i'll listen to him i like elvis costello now copycat oh the shift works in baseball we can get an advantage all right we got to think about that let's do some work and let's start shifting well what we're seeing this year in football is a pretty good amount of copycatting and then what you do to deal with that what in your mind is the most competitive position during this offseason in the NFL, I think it's pretty clear. It starts with a W and ends with an R. There have been wide receivers signed to deals that have been unheard of, guaranteed dollars that would blow your mind. Aaron Rodgers lost his running mate, Devontae Adams. Actually, Aaron Rodgers went on a show yesterday and said, Hey, I signed back with the Packers. I went on this show, nothing personal, when Adams left the team, saying Rodgers had to have known that when he was coming back. Rodgers then said yesterday, Hey, I was surprised. He's my best buddy. I was totally surprised. Are you buying that for one second? It's the single biggest piece of horse hockey that Aaron Rodgers has delivered since he said, yeah, I'm not vaccinated. I'm immunized. You really going to believe Aaron Rodgers that he didn't pick up the phone and call his best buddy Adams before he agreed to come back with the Packers, but he got his good quarterbacks coach. so Maybe that's the only reason getting along better with the GM and the coach. Maybe that's the reason. Nah, he knows he doesn't need a wide receiver because the Giants, uh, the Packers are just going to draft one. Huh? They never draft one. But he gets to say he was surprised. And we get to say we don't believe him. So wide receivers are being picked. If you look at the first round, it's crazy. So six teams drafted wide receivers in the first round. Two wide receivers were traded during the course of the draft. How about A.J. Brown getting a hundo, a hundo from the Eagles of Philadelphia? Good on you, Jeffrey Luria, bring in. Bring on the dancing horses and clowns. We've got A.J. Brown. So what do you do when you're not gonna sign one of these free agents or one of these wide receivers or do a sign and trade? What do you do? You draft one and hope that they become just as good. So that's why you saw that. I liked it, made me smile. The whole draft made me smile and shake. I started practicing handshakes, actually. I never did that with players. Our players would do handshakes, and after a game, they'd come in after a win. The way it works, side note, in the clubhouse in baseball, behind the scenes, what you see on the field is when a game is won, what you see players, they – they converge in the outfield so the three outfielders do a thing where they jump up or they do high fives or they put their shoulders in and then there's a line it starts with the catcher who goes to the pitcher the catcher if it's a strikeout gives the ball to the pitcher who got the last out then the catcher puts his mask up on his forehead on the top of his head and then they line up and they do a handshake for each other and then they turn around and go to the clubhouse but it's not done then When you get to the clubhouse, there's another line. And in the clubhouse are all of the pitchers who pitched in the game but had been taken out of the game because once you're done pitching the game, you go and you get your arm iced, you get in the shower, you go see the trainer. They come out right to the edge of the clubhouse door. You've got the training staff there. You've got the manager there even though the manager does handshakes within the dugout with his coaches. Then he goes down to the clubhouse and there's a whole nother line of these handshakes. So I would often be down there if we had to move a player or trade a player or cut a player or demote a player, or whatever we were doing, talk to the manager after every game or the GM or whatever, whatever. So I was just a fist bumper, right? I'm not gonna get into the Goodell up, down, all around, fancy pants stuff. I just did a quick fist bump. I never did an ass pump. It's not an ass pump an ass bump an ass slap there's a lot of ass slapping that went on it's not that i'm homophobic which i'm clearly not i just prefer not to have my bummer slapped so i didn't engage in that so if you don't want it you can't do it so i never did it to any player i was just i'd stand there hey good job good job but then the little ocd of president david samson during his years Some players have all sorts of stuff on their hands. They're sweaty and dirty, and they've got rosin and sunscreen and other such substances. I don't want to even get near those players. And this is pre-COVID, folks, obviously, because I was gone before COVID started. That became an elbow, and I became well-known for the elbow. And players knew when I was going to do the elbow. The elbow is a response to how dirty a player got during a game. DHs are always good for the fist bump. All right, so that's the end of the draft. I wonder what's gonna happen now. Now the teams get out. Here's what you do the day after the draft. The read, the PR department puts together a list. This is what we did with the MLB draft and this is what we do after a trading deadline we have our interns get together and they're combing the internet, they're getting, they're pulling all the articles, they're pulling all the rankings, they're pulling all of the winners and losers tabulations. And if your team is appearing on a winner's tabulation or you're getting good press from the local papers or even better from any of the national writers, those articles get clipped, they get put together and they get sent to your sales department because then we would have our sales department call on clients to say, look, do you want to buy tickets? Do you want to buy sponsorships? Things are looking up. John toasting with the Gotham City News called us the biggest winners of the draft. Come buy tickets. Reminded me of when the New Orleans Pelicans got Zion Williamson and all the salespeople were jumping up and down so happy and then realized, wow, he doesn't play for us, actually. But you take advantage. You ride the good news. Now, when you... Do a draft and you think you did well but yet all of the lists have you as losers of the draft you actually meet with your pr department you give talking points to your pr department to give to your sales department because you're going to get calls on a particular day hey you guys suck you guys are losers you guys got an f during the draft and then the salespeople get to say well we spoke to our gm he addressed us after the draft last night And he said a couple of things for you to keep in mind. The player that we got in the first round was exactly who we wanted. You've got to believe and trust our process. And we still have two more days. And when you look at the overall work that we've done, I assure you that our team has gotten better. Now buy tickets. So there's all sorts of things like that going on behind the scenes. It's pretty fun to watch actually. Press releases get written, meetings happen with salespeople, the marketing people get together and figure out whether or not anybody who got drafted is gonna be giveaway worthy, whether or not they're gonna be promotional worthy, where they're gonna appear in the media guide or in the programs. All of those things are starting to happen now. Welcome back Acuna. I'm really happy he's back. He was my pick for MVP last year. Did he win the MVP last year? I don't think he did, but he was my pick. Maybe he did. I know Otani won in the American League. I cannot even remember who won the National League MVP. It can't be him because he got hurt halfway through the year playing in Miami, I believe. He tore his ACL. He's been rehabbing. He's been out since July. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series without their best player. As you may recall, Bryce Harper won. Thank you, Coca. As you recall, they brought on Adam Duvall, who's still there, or George Soler, who is now with the Marlins, Eddie Rosario, who re-signed, bunch of trade line, Jock Peterson, who now is on a different team, I want to say the Giants. Those players gotten at the deadline by the Braves helped lead them to a title. And guess what? I picked him to defend because I knew Acuna and Ozuna and Olsen were going to be there to replace Freeman and Soler and Peterson. Acuna got hurt 11, 10 months ago. This is April, May, June, July, nine months ago. He was supposed to be called back. The timeline for him was May 6th. I want to explain how these timelines happen for long-term injuries. They start off as a range. So when someone gets hurt, you would say, hey, it looks like it's going to be six to nine months, eight to 12 months. Big range like that. Then you watch the rehab, you watch the recovery, and then internally, I'm not talking about what we announced publicly, internally we then say, it looks like it's gonna be eight to nine months. We're down to a two-month window. But then we have to wait for him to pick up a bat, for him to run on the field, for him to, what, it, what it's called is, start baseball activities. Because rehabbing, those are not baseball activities. Baseball activities are throwing and hitting. I don't even count running as a baseball activity. So Cunha starts baseball activities, and then we make a plan for his rehab games. And we say we want to get him, let's say, 25 at-bats to 40 at-bats. We want him to play X number of innings in the field, and we want him to work up to playing a full nine-inning game. And so we will schedule it out, and we will then come to another range looking like the second week of May is what we're aiming for. Then we move forward as his progress is being monitored on a daily basis, on an at-bat, by-at-bat basis. Then we can narrow it down, and then we get to a day. And we meet with the manager. We we have it all set together. We have a player move ready to go. We're ready to go. Acuna is coming back May 6th. Yesterday, Acuna went one for five as the Braves beat the Cubs, and yesterday's date was April 28th. That means that he was brought back nine days before he was supposed to come back. Nine days sounds like nothing. It is an unbelievable amount of time in the baseball injury world. What made the Braves bring back Acuna so soon? The argument that I would have with the baseball department is that I really did not have great interest in a signed player. He already is getting paid. I don't want him in the minor leagues. If he can even help us by playing four innings in the big leagues as part of his rehab, why not play four innings to help us win at the big league level? I don't need him buying the spread on the minor league side. I don't need him raising attendance for our minor league affiliates because it's so cool that he's there on rehab. I always wanted to err on the side of bring back players sooner rather than later. When the team is struggling, I want my star back. When the team is going great without our star, I say, let's not wait until we're not doing well, let's bring them back and then really start rolling. Well, the Braves are not starting off quite hot. As a matter of fact, they're behind the Mets in the East Division. And at least the Mets are, they may have the best record in baseball, actually. The Mets have been actually off to a phenomenal start. But I can see where the Braves would say, hey, he's doing just fine in rehab. We can move him up and we can play him. He's ready to play a full game. So they did wait for that threshold. And I have zero, zero criticism of their move. Even if he gets hurt again tomorrow, I will not come back to the GM and say, you brought him up too early, how could you? I am putting this in your file. Every player can get hurt doing everything, every game, no matter where they're playing the game. I'd always rather have a player get hurt at the big league level who's signed to a guaranteed contract, and I'd always rather have a player get hurt on the minor league level who's not signed to a guaranteed contract. Hear me out on why. When you're hurt on a guaranteed major league contract, you're still paid the major league rate. If you're hurt as a minor leaguer while playing minor league games, you go on the minor league injured list and you're played the minor league rate and you're not getting service time. If you are on the major league disabled list, the major league injured list, you are getting major league service time for the days you're on the injured list. You're getting major league pay, that is true. But my view of it always was, if you're not have a long-term guaranteed deal i was far more satisfied with the extra time in the minor leagues why because when you are a player not signed meaning you are young and not signed to a guaranteed deal or you're a player who's a veteran signed to a one-year deal or you're a player who we don't think we are going to resign after six years of major league service It is far better for our major league team, for that player to be hurt on the minor league side. For that player to be on the minor league side for the extra five days, seven days of rehab when he could have been on the major league side. And this is not because of baseball. This is because of what my ego was as a president. And I reflect on that and realize it was totally asinine. But when we had a player signed to a major league deal, to a long-term deal, I was constantly in the state of, we've got to prove to people and to the owner that we made the right decision signing this guy. Bring him back up. Bring him to the big leagues. Let him play. (laughs) It's amazing, actually. Well, Acuna's back. It's going to be helpful. I think it's going to be very helpful to the Braves. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about a documentary that I watched that I couldn't believe and I was embarrassed. And then we're going to mention something that's going on in Miami. Two things happened in Miami yesterday, both of which are worth mentioning, from soccer to college football and college basketball. We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is sponsored by RAMP. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions
1: apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday. It's David Sampson. Please tell your friends about Nothing Personal. There is a winner of the YouTube contest yesterday. And I was going to call out the name, but I didn't write it down. But that's okay. You know who you are. Oh, yeah. Charles. You were the first person. Yesterday I wore the same clothes as I wore the day before and I've never done that ever before. Thanks for everyone who went to YouTube and pressed subscribe and watched. Of course, I'm back in the rotation today. Okay, I watch a movie every day, you know that. I watched a movie called White Hot. White Hot reminds me of the Miami Heat. That is how they were referred to during the playoffs. White Hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. Let me give you the background I have of Abercrombie and Fitch. The only association I ever had with them had to do with lines outside the store and guys with bodies that I could never have, even with Photoshop, standing guard. I'd never been inside an Abercrombie and Fitch store. i had heard of the brand, didn't know anything about it, except that they liked having good-looking people around there's a documentary out right now which is horrifying it turns out that the people running Abercrombie and Fitch back in those days were straight up racist there were no people of color it was all hot white people as in white hot and when I say white hot like when the heat do it it never occurs to me That it has anything to do with color. And that is my blind spot as a person of privilege who's white, I guess. Watch last week's Survivor if you want more insight into that very concept. But apparently what Abercrombie and Fitch would do is when you interviewed for a job, they had a checklist. And the checklist was, how hot are you? Uh, That's illegal. You can think it, but you sure as hell better not write it down. But Abercrombie and Fitch apparently did write it down, including in their end-of-year evaluations. Hey, one of them said, work in a salad. That's not good. So this whole documentary basically talks to all the people who wore Abercrombie and Fitch, and there were millions, and makes them feel like total pieces of garbage for having done it. And I got to thinking... We're gonna have to be naked. I think that's where we're headed. A full nudist society. That's my plan, Coca. So you may wanna start working out. Although it doesn't matter, in a new society, all bodies are beautiful, no one cares because you're all naked, it's all good. Why do I say that? Because what clothing companies, if you examined them and had a documentary done about them, what clothing companies would you actually buy? And where if you learned what these companies did whether it was overseas or right in front of you if you understood their hiring practices or their pricing practices if you understood what they did to get you to like the clothes to feel cool that is complete horse hockey we wouldn't be able to eat anything we wouldn't be able to wear anything we'd have to be nudie eating berries like a meal and into the wild except you better not eat the wrong ones so i felt badly watching this documentary and then i felt even worse for not knowing everything else i'm wearing a jacket right now i know who made it but i don't know one thing about the company not one what if i'm endorsing racism right now what if i'm endorsing misogynistic behavior workplace misconduct beyond low living wages sewage rats what if this material was dragged through the mud before it got cleaned and made into my blazer sewage it's depressing when we were talking about the show coca said he knows exactly what we can do right he said everything's fine you can just do a google search to all the companies you wear and you can know that you're not allowed to hire based on physical appearance you can find out the etymology provenance of all your clothing. Who wants to do that, Coca? You want to do a quick Google search every time you buy berries or every time you put on a pair of socks? I don't want to live that way. I'd rather be a nudie. Okay. What about the NIL? I sent a tweet yesterday that I wish that I could resend. I guess I could bring it back to the top of the thread. I think I sent it. At night. I don't remember when. A story came out yesterday that a college basketball player who plays for the University of Miami Hurricanes, who made it to the Elite Eight, if you can remember that, who can remember that was over a month ago, and the NFL has completely wiped that out of anybody's memory. There's a player for Miami who has said, if I don't get a raise, I'm going into the portal. I'm going to stand right next to Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, and I'm going to go somewhere else. Why is that? because I want more NIL money. The benefactor for Miami sports is a billionaire named John Ruiz, who's a lawyer. The last billionaire lawyer in South Florida ended, ended up running a Ponzi scheme. His name is Scott and He's in prison right now. Don't know many billionaire lawyers. But that said, John Ruiz is a self-made appointed billionaire. Wants to buy a bunch of sports teams, build a bunch of stadiums, do a bunch of stuff in Miami, make Miami great again. And he has taken over the Hurricanes department. He's taken over the school. He is sponsoring all of these players, football players, basketball players. It's all out in the open now. There's no more Spiro Agnew. I'm almost positive, Coca, that's not the name of the, of the booster in Miami who got in trouble. It could have been a guy named Shapiro, not Spiro anyway it doesn't matter for this story but it always was under the table nil's happen because congress gets involved and everyone cries through their microphones, saying we've got to pay these players it's not right that these schools get rich and all of these endowments get fulfilled and professors get paid and programs and financial aid happens but these players get nothing we've got to give them name image and likeness and let them sign deals it's going to be great are you all happy with what's happened Because we told you day one on nothing personal. The minute this came into law, what you've done is you've created free agency. How do you feel about it? You good? Every year, every player is a free agent. This guy doesn't like how much money he's getting paid. He calls up his NIL sponsor and says, pay me more. What's the NIL sponsor supposed to do? If you pay him, that means the next guy's going to want more. Then the next guy. Then the next guy. You've got to say no. You accepted the deal. We paid you to be a hurricane. You had a good year. Good on you. I'm not taking the money back if you have a crappy year. You don't get to renegotiate just when your team does well and you do well. Maybe work that into the deal. Next year, if you get eliminated in the first weekend of the tournament, I won 50% of the money back. So we're going to need to hold that in escrow just in case you buy another car instead of saving it or investing it. It's never going to happen that way. So that means that all the people who are in favor of NIL and all the people who are sponsoring the NILs are totally screwed. Now, if you are trying to help University of Miami and you're announcing all these deals and you're the BMOC and you're walking around Miami like you own the place. Everyone wants to be near you. Everyone wants to just be in your orbit because you have totally changed the hurricanes, bringing them back to their rightful place in college football royalty helping basketball be in a place it had never been and now players are going to start disappearing unless you pay more does that mean you're going to be pressured to pay more ruiz came out and said i'm not paying more look how much i've already paid that's the whole point of the free agency that you've now created folks the players don't care how much you've paid that picture the NAL guys as owners when you go to a player and say hey we just paid one guy 100 million dollars i don't have the money to pay you more you think that player gives a flying rat's ass? They're out of there. You think the players are loyal to Miami? And we do this on CBS. We're live. It, what's it called, Coca? Come on. When they commit, when they when they sign their letter of commitment, we're going live. As a player decides signing day, it's called. Thank you. We're live. They've got five hats. They juggle them like David Blaine, and then they put one on. Everyone's all happy. So, what made you choose to go to Texarkana? Well. I just want to say that I'm very pleased to represent John's Betting and Hardware store. Hours are 11 to 7 p.m., seven days a week. If you come before 11, you may see something you don't want to see, so please don't. Remember, John's Betting and Hardware, we're here for you. Let's go Texarkana. That's what signing day is now. It's just where players are getting paid the most. What if players shot that deal once they sign? what are they really committing to they just jump in that portal they go full Star Trek and they're gone well I hope you enjoy that folks because that's what you're about to have nothing personal pick of the day someone told Coca that you're not happy with a parlay that wins because it doesn't win enough well excuse me I was not aware that we had to pick all underdogs or we had to give you value. I just, what is, this is a pretty good one. I like that. Do you know you can get rich by betting a dollar and winning 37 cents? Because you've won 37 cents. We are 53 and 41. 41 because we had the Suns giving one and a half against the Pelicans, and we won that as the Suns advanced into the second round. Is that a good win for everybody? Suns one and a half because it was not a parlay? I don't know. All I know is the Suns covered. We're 53 and 41. We're HO Triple T, -T -T, and we've got a game six today in the great series between A-Rod and Jeter. I'm sorry, between Cat and Ja. The T-Wolves are playing the Grizzlies. We're back in the land of 10,000 lakes. I couldn't decide whether or not Jeter, not Jeter, stop that, four, six, nine. I could decide whether A-Rod, after the game in Memphis, went back to Florida and then to Minnesota, or does he like Minnesota so much that he'll go back to Minnesota, spend the off day in Minnesota? Anyone wanna bet a dollar? Anybody? Anybody? Dollars to donuts, he went to Florida in between. But he'll be there courtside tonight. The T-Wolves are getting a point against the Grizzlies at home? Hell yeah, we're taking that. There's going to be a Game 7 in that series, and that's going to be a fun one to watch. Timberwolves plus one over the Grizzlies is the pick of the day on Friday. What about Saturday? Saturday, we're going to two teams in MLB that are just fascinating to me. Number one, the Washington Nationals. I watched them get swept by the Marlins. The Marlins, who could have a Cy Young winner in... Pablo Lopez they could actually have an MVP candidate in Jazz Chisholm finally they've got a rotation that was supposed to be good and now is good they're two games over 500 they swept the Nationals I used to get super excited sweeping anybody even when the team stunk because you gotta beat the bad teams the Nationals are so bad that it's amazing they're three years away from winning a World Series what kind of team could be that bad three years after winning a World Series oh Yeah, a lot of them. Marlins, Red Sox, Cardinals, Giants. Yeah, it's hard to be good after you win. If you're a Nationals fan, you can't be DBR. You won a World Series in 2019, but you're done. This team, even with Juan Soto, probably the best player in baseball right now, is still going to lose 95-plus games. They're playing the Giants, who I said preseason – They are going to finish and be a little disappointed, not win their division, because how are they going to get career years, multiple years in a row from players? I just don't see them competing with the Dodgers. Well, they're off to a damn good start, and their starting pitcher, Logan Webb, is going on Saturday against that very team, the Nationals, and now you're going to say, that's not a good game to bet. you got to lay 675 to win 100, but if they win, you win the 100. Giants and Webb over the Nationals. And then Sunday is game one, second round. This is the best time of year. We got the NFL draft. We got the schedule announcement. (laughs) The Bucs are playing the Celtics. What a series that'll be. The Celtics have home field, what's called home court in basketball. The Celtics are giving four and a half points to the Bucs in game one. The Celtics are coming off the emotional sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucs are coming off the crushing of the inferior Bulls. This is a game ripe for letdown. This is when you're a road team and you know that the home team has just done something, either barely won in seven or totally crushed a team that was supposed to go seven. And you have to believe that if you're trying to steal one of the first two games on the road, if you're the Bucks, you're trying to steal game one. Bucks are getting four and a half points. That's too heavy for me. We're taking the underdog. Bucks plus four and a half over the Celtics. So those are the three picks. T Wolves plus one over Grizzlies. Giants over the Nationals Saturday with Logan Webb over the Nats. And Bucks plus four and a half over the Celtics. Wait to see is when we tell you something's gonna happen. We'll revisit it. I don't even know what the series line is, Coca, but wait to see. The Bucks are going to advance. Past the Celtics. Okay. Something happened yesterday and I wanted to talk about it. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is that it's gotten a whole lot of attention in Miami and around the country. It's been on national news programs, it's been on Fox News, it's been on there's been a huge amount of PR back and forth regarding the Inter Miami soccer stadium deal. And I got myself injected into this simply by volunteering to narrate a commercial that was done by Billy Corbin, uh, the, the filmmaker. And he did a two-and-a-half-minute documentary about the soccer deal in Miami, talking about how bad a deal it was. The deal passed yesterday in the city commission, four to one. And now there will be a soccer stadium right near the airport in Miami at a place called Reese. There will be a hotel, there's going to be shopping, retail, all sorts of things. And I wanted to give you my view of that and my reaction to it, because there's been a lot of misunderstanding. I watched the the show yesterday. The show is what happens. I did a show in 2009 when I had to go before a county commission and a city commission to get votes to get financing for a public-private stadium everybody has to go before the commission in Miami and wherever else you are in order to get anything done. Commissioners are voted in by voters. You'd be shocked at the turnout for these elections, but I digress. You'd be shocked at the abilities of many of these commissioners, but I digress. The bottom line is when you are in a place like Miami, you are dealing with people who have an unbelievably overinflated sense of ego and importance. As business people, we have a job to do. Our job is to get accomplished what we need to get accomplished at the governmental level. We do it by giving money to both sides of the aisle. We give it by being involved in our community. We get it accomplished by making sure that we have taken care of whatever needs to be taken care of for commissioners. If they want parks, we do parks. If they wanna make sure that a certain amount of people get hired from the city of Miami, you make sure of that. What you saw yesterday is commissioners making requests of Jorge Mas who stood there and took it on the chin because at the end of the day, what these commissioners wanted did not in any way impact his bottom line. He will be able to go public today and tell you, hey, we gave a lot to the community. He had a quote yesterday that made me laugh. Jorge Mas, he said to the commissioners that my main focus here is on increasing the tax rolls of your city. I love Jorge, I've known him for a very long time. There's not been a businessman in the world whose main focus is to increase the tax rolls of the place in which they do business. It's the opposite. They hire people to try to not pay taxes into the tax rolls of the places where they do business. Oh, you're right, it's way smart and obvious why Carnival Cruise doesn't have their ships registered in Miami, but they have them registered in Panama or the Bahamas. Hmm, why do they do that? Because they don't want to put money into the tax rolls of Miami. G-M-A-B. But it's a great line to say to commissioners because it gives them political cover and that's what they want because they want to get reelected. They don't know that anytime you support financing of a stadium, you don't get reelected, but they get to say this is a real estate deal. And that's all we were trying to say to the public through our commercial, his commercial that I narrated is that the Inter Miami deal is not a soccer deal. It's a real estate transaction. Jorge Mas is a real estate developer who is developing a huge parcel of land and is going to make a lot of money because real estate developers get to buy teams. Yes, I'm talking about you, Steve Ross, the related company. They get to put their names on museums. Yes, that's you, George Perez in Miami. People who are rich get richer someone on the board said that yesterday actually we need rich people because rich people do stuff in our community you're damn right yes they do they also want tax breaks and any deal they're going to do with the community is going to be a deal that is going to be good for them because they have to go get financing and when you go to a bank to borrow money you don't sit down with your spreadsheets and say listen these numbers don't look great I get that there's not a lot of positive cash flow but boy do you know what we're doing for the tax rolls in our community do you know how many soccer clinics we're gonna have for boys and girls now that's got to be worth something and the bankers say hmm that's worth nothing it's very nice of you that really is super sweet that you care about your community so much but I'm really gonna need to see numbers of revenue and free operating cash flow in order to lend you money to do what you're doing. You think that Jorge Mas and David Beckham are writing a check out of their checking account to build a soccer stadium? No, they're borrowing the money. You think they're taking money out of their ATM or time card to build the hotel? Come on. Are you guys kidding me? any deal done by the private sector is good for the person doing the deal in the private sector just say it i'm totally fine with it i'd love to be a a fly on the wall when jorge mas goes to meet with his bankers and asks to borrow the money and tries to say, yeah, I, I don't think the deal we just cut with Miami, we just got crushed at that committee at that commission meeting yesterday. We had to give in so much. We had to go up to 6% as a possible rent, rent increase. We had a total issue when it comes to the appraisal of the land, we're now gonna get the average of the highest and the second highest, two companies, and they're gonna be clean, they're not dirty, but you're dirty, I'm dirty, we're dirty, who's dirty? Nobody's dirty, the, the land is dirty. The commissioner said there's no park, we can't even take our shoes, it was so crazy. The whole meeting, it brought me back to 2009 when I had to do the same thing. So believe me, I've got an amount of empathy for what Jorge Mas had to go through yesterday. Yes, I do. But he went to bed last night with a PR talking point of celebrating how great this was for Miami and for the city of Miami and for lowering taxes for all of you people. I want to know in two years, four years, six years, and 10 years, please show me when your taxes have gone down. Just please. N-G-T-H. Not going to happen. And it's not that I didn't want the soccer deal to happen because you know where I stand on public stadiums and sports stadiums. I want soccer stadiums. I want there to be MLS in Miami. I want there to be baseball and football and Grand Prix and tennis, museums, art museums, science museums. I want to believe that we live in a cultural center, in a sports center of greatness. I just want people's eyes to be open. And I understand how the deals work. Because we basically play off the fact that everybody's eyes are closed. That's all. What about you? Are your eyes open? Well, it's been a week. Jorge Mas went out to dinner last night. He looked right at the taxpayers, right at the commissioners. He looked right at David Beckham, right at Victoria Spice and said, we did it. It's just business. Sorry, Samson and Corbin. It's nothing personal.